Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Old Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time. We're so glad you're with us. We're in the 44th chapter of Genesis today. Um, we did five years through the New Testament, and so some of you were here with me for that, and that was great. Now, this is a 15-year journey in the Old Testament, and uh, we're about a year through, although we should be 50 chapters in, but we're not. So uh, there was a, you know, thing happen here and there, and take a break and go to a meeting or do something. Anyway, so, um, so we're at uh, uh, Genesis 44, and we're with 50 chapters in Genesis, so we should be done end of April, hopefully, and then we'll move into Exodus, and I will be charging along, and uh, that's good, um, but anyway, we know where we're headed. Context, why I like to do the Bible at a chapter at a time, it gives it context, it helps you to understand it in its uh, place and where it belongs and how the stories fit together. And, um, we, you know, I like starting with the New Testament the way we did now. A lot of the things that we cover in the Old Testament were referenced in the New Testament. As we studied, and we'll go, oh, well, that's why that's there. Oh, well, there it is, and that was important. And um, as we've looked through Genesis, there's things that I'm trying to get you to remember. And I've told you that, that in Genesis, there's, there's four sort of main events that happen. There's four major characters, and there's one main theme that we look at as we, as we go through Genesis that we'll see um, you know, that theme will impact us throughout the entire Old Testament. So the four major events, you should know them by now because we've gone over them time after time after time, but the four major events are creation and the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. And those all happen within the first 11 chapters or so of Genesis. That's what those books are about uh, and what's happening till then. That's what those chapters are about. Now, after that, the four main characters of Genesis... And, and obviously, they're all very important, but the four main characters are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, the, the first three, you know, those are known as the patriarchs, and they begin the, the covenant uh, line that happens, the messianic line, um, and we see um, the theme, the main thing that I said you have to remember from Genesis, which is called the crimson thread of redemption. The crimson thread of redemption starts at the fall in Genesis uh, 3, and in verse 15, that starts the thread of redemption, and you can watch this thread run all the way through the Old Testament to the cross. You can watch the enemy uh, actually attacking it, constantly trying to stop this, this uh, redemptive line from taking place, and you can see God protecting it throughout, and ultimately, the events of the cross, um, the crucifixion, and then the uh, resurrection, and redemption is achieved and um, the possibility of restored relationship with God is now available to us and to everyone who believes, and he will ultimately return at some point. Jesus will come again and set everything right. So we're in process, and while um, he tarries, we go out and tell others the good news, and we study the Word, and we get together in fellowship, and we wait, and uh, we use the time wisely. So, so that's what we've been uh, going through so far. We're in uh, Genesis 44 now. The story is pretty much about Joseph at this point and Joseph's brothers. Um, uh, Joseph is one of the sons of Jacob. Joseph is not in the lineage of Jesus. That's actually Judah who's going to step up in this chapter again. Um, and if you remember Judah, he was kind of wayward for a while. Um, he, he, uh, he was the one that, you know, kind of spearheaded selling Joseph into slavery in the first place. And then um, we saw how the lineage takes place with Joseph and actually Tamar, uh, who um, was his daughter-in-law and um, who he thought was a prostitute. And 
And um, out comes the, the genealogy continues in that vein. Very fascinating. We looked at that. Um, but now Judah, Judah in this chapter is actually going to step up and he, he seems to be changed. And um, one of the things I've told you from the beginning is I like the Bible because God is faithful to keep people's characters in there so we can see that they're not all perfect by a long shot. And he leaves their messes in there for us to read about. And yet from the other side, often when we're looking at them from the New Testament, from Hebrews, looking back at many of these people, we see that they're seen as really faithful people that have done a good job. And for me, that gives me a lot of hope because um, I've messed up quite often. Maybe none of you have, but no, and that was being sarcastic because all you have. So uh, we've all messed up. And yet God loves us and can use us and has redeemed us and pretty good stuff. So, uh, so one of the things you're going to see as we start reading, you're going to see Judah and his brothers when, when the story starts, when I start reading the chapter. And, and um, Judah has now be, be sort of become apparently the spokesman for the family. And um, even though it was he who suggested they sell Joseph way back in Genesis 37 and, and, you know, the other things that he did, it looks like he's starting sort of getting a new start, picture of the grace of God and things happening in the life of Judah. And, um, and so, you know, the story, the brothers have, have come. There's a famine. In case you haven't been with me, there's a famine uh, in Egypt. Joseph knew it was coming, told Pharaoh about it, you know, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of everything. You know, he's just number, the number two guy in all of Egypt. He's prepared for this thing, seven years of plenty. He stored everything he could. Seven years of famine are now underway. We're two or three years into the famine. Um, his, uh, his family doesn't even know he's alive. They get hungry like the rest of the world does. They go to Egypt for food. And Joseph sees his brothers, and he begins this thing where he gives them food and sends them back, but puts their money in their bag and finds out how his younger brother is and how, how his father's doing. And he's sort of been keeping, he held Simeon for a while in prison, and now they're back again for um, food, and, uh, and so they, they, they come, and they, they get more food, and he's, he's about to reveal himself, but there's a few things he wants to do before um, he does that, and, and in this chapter, he kind of wants to discover their attitude toward Benjamin. Now, Benjamin is his closest brother. They, they both had the same mother, Joseph and Benjamin. Benjamin is now the father's favorite. That was Joseph before, but, but uh, Jacob thinks Joseph is gone. And this whole favorite thing's not been a good business um, by a long shot. And, uh, and it's caused a lot of problems with all of the brothers. But uh, you're going to see Judah actually come to, ben uh, to Benjamin's defense. And um, in, this, in this passage is the longest speech by a human actually in, in the book of Genesis is going to happen in Genesis 43 when, when Judah steps up and tries to intervene in the life of Benjamin. Um, so we're going to see that and uh, happen in just a minute. Um, and it's, it's cool when you see this. So Judah is willing to sort of exchange his life for Benjamin's if he could do that. And it's sort of a picture of Jesus ultimately coming and exchanging his life for ours. But Jesus will actually do it. Judah only offered to do it and didn't actually have to do it. All right. Genesis 44, beginning in verse 1. Now... Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. And then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack along with silver for his grain. 
And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also used for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated his words to them. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We've even bought back to you from the land of Canaan the the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well, then he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in. And they threw themselves to the ground before them, before him. Joseph, by by the way, that's the third time they've actually ended up bowing down to all the brothers, which he said was going to happen in a dream, which is what started the whole mess. Third time. Joseph said to them, what is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord, Judah replied? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, far be it for me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. So, you know, here, you, you just see this playing out, right? There was the Joseph before. Now it's Benjamin. They know he's the favorite. What Joseph wants to know is, has anything changed before he reveals himself? Are these brothers exactly the same? The same guys that sold me into slavery. Has anything changed them in the process? And so now he's got Benjamin. You know they don't want to go back to the father without Benjamin. They've already been through that whole thing. So watch what happens. Then Judah went up to him and said, Please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you were equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there's a young son born to him in his old age. His brother's dead, and he's the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. And then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we cannot go down. Only if our younger brother is with us will we go. We cannot see this man's face unless our younger brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. 
and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. Blessed be the word of the Lord. There's been a significant change in Judah and in the rest of the brothers throughout this entire process. So, what's going on? Let's just kind of run through it. Verse 1, Joseph tells the steward, put the cup in the sack of Benjamin, and, and it's, it's to um, bring this situation to pass so that these things would happen. He's going to know what happens. And um, it's interesting, I think, too, that the, the silver was put, all the guy's silver was returned into their bags and, and instead of being paid for. So um, my thinking is that if, if only, if Benjamin had been the only one with the cup and there was no silver involved, then the brothers might have thought, well, maybe he did take it. But all of them had money in their bag that they shouldn't have been there. And Benjamin had money and the cup. So I think they, they realized there's a situation. And um, they sort of have sympathy for him. And, and they, they, they're, they've changed. They actually want to see Benjamin make it. So where they didn't care for Joseph at all uh, in the process. And um, again, you know, you, you, well, why was the money restored? Uh, it, it looks like we said that the... Because the treasurer of Egypt has said there's no money missing. So Joseph apparently is just paying for this stuff for his family, and he's returning it to them again. He doesn't want their money. He wants to take care of them. But it's also being used to orchestrate this process. He wants to see if his brothers have changed before he comes with a big reveal. And, uh, and so the cup is put there, and this cup, you know, it, um, his silver cup is, is it's a, it's more of, in, in Egypt, it was, a, it was sort of a symbol of authority. And the Egyptians thought it to have supernatural power. Um, uh, and Joseph says that, but it's not, Joseph has God speaking directly to him and interpreting dreams and stuff. He doesn't need a cup of divination. That's an Egyptian thing. But the Egyptians saw it for what, it, what that was, they, they thought that's what was going on. And, um, and so even though Joseph didn't need a cup of divination, he had this cup of authority. He was living in Egypt at the time. That was what was going on. So, so then... So that whole thing happens. The cup's in there. These guys get caught just outside the city. This whole thing happens. They get back on their camels. They go into the city. And can you, you know, they've had a lot of trouble <laughs> coming anyway. And uh, I just can imagine them going, really, again? And um, in they are. They're ushered into Joseph's presence. They tear their clothes. And when you read about the tearing of clothes in the Bible, it's an expression of deep sorrow. Uh, it, and it was how they, they sort of demonstrated you know, grief when they, when they rent their garments. Um, and, and, you know, I, their concern here was that, that something was going to happen to Benjamin, and this had been a big deal going on. And then you have Judah stepping up in this significant way um, for Benjamin. And it's such a difference. You know, when, when Judah was younger, he had no regard for his brother Joseph um, or his father Jacob. He just didn't care. Uh, and he, they'd made it evident by selling Joseph away and not caring what their father thought. And um, it was Judah, in, back in chapter 27, that convinced his brothers to sell Joseph as a slave. And, and then he joined in the big deception, lying to his father about Joseph's fate. But, um, but things have changed now. And um, he's, his concern in this speech is not only for Benjamin, but also for his father. Um, and that concern outweighs... Finally, the concern for himself, which is a pretty big deal. And, uh, and so he steps up and he, he pleads the case of what's going on. 
and that's a very risky maneuver. You know, Joseph uh, is a high, you know, authority in Egypt. Could have just had him killed. Uh, and, uh, but, but Judah courageously defends himself, his brothers, his father, and, uh, and he offers to put himself in Benjamin's place, um, which is significant. Again, he's willing to take it. Obviously, which was not an easy thing. Make me your slave. Set my brother free. Uh, and he's doing what he promised Jacob that he would do, finally. He's, he said he'd guarantee his safety, and he's doing everything he can to keep that promise. Uh, and even though it was a significant fate, uh, bad fate, if that, if that would have happened, um, and, but he's, he's going to do what he knows he's supposed to do, and that's, that's, that's huge. Um, and like I said here, what we're really seeing is Joseph wants to see his brother's attitudes. Um, and and he, that they had hopefully changed, you know, and he sees that they have. Uh, and uh, the same brother who had stepped forward with a plan to sell him steps forward uh, to take Benjamin's punishment so that Benjamin could return to their father. And um, that really sort of convinces Joseph that his brothers have transformed. They've made this transformation and um, that they've changed for the better. And it's significant, you know, this had to happen. This This whole family was was the foundation for the people of Israel. They're going to come into Egypt. He's going to reveal himself here in a minute. The whole family's going to come and live in Egypt. And, um, you know, it's, the, it's, a, it's a fairly small group when they come in. 400 years later, um, you know, in, in that process, they're going to be put in slavery, the whole group and all that other stuff. But when, when they're delivered um, in the Exodus, um, they're, they're, it's a huge, it's a nation at that point inside Egypt. And that's what happens over that process of time. But they needed to get this all set up and sort of some of these things worked out before that could take place. So that's what happens in Genesis 44. And uh, lots of neat stuff happening. These next chapters are all pretty busy. So uh, leading us up to the Exodus, which is cool. Uh, And uh, we'll get to that in the next few weeks. But that's good enough for today. Uh, If you're watching my video, thank you. Appreciate you doing that. And uh, love to see you come and be a part of us when you get a chance, but we're going to call it an evening. All right.